Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You're in the red zone with Nick Coffey on 790 KRD. Fueled by Thorntons. Holy crap. I don't know who the hell we think we are. My wife. My wife can score more than two buckets on 11 shots. The kids are playing their tail off, and the coaches are screwing it up. Go play intramurals, brother. Go play intramurals. They're supposed to be mature adults, but they're really not. Who's the kid here? Who's the kid here? Are you kidding me? Now here's your host, Nick Coffey. All right, let's do this. Good Monday morning. Welcome in. You are in the red zone. And we are fueled by Thornton's here on 790 KRD as we get Christmas week started. That makes me excited. Also sad, though, Christmas time, Christmas season goes by way too fast. And I'm going to try to make this week, uh, make it count, make it special as uh, we are now six days away from uh, the big day. And we have some extended, I feel like we have some extended time off, at least for us. We're out Friday, like not taking the day off. The company gets the day off, which I'm not complaining. And then, of course, I think most folks will probably be off work Monday as that is turned into the day where I think everybody's going to officially observe the Christmas holiday. So big Christmas vibes here on a Monday as uh, we are coming off of what I hope was a great weekend for you guys. And we're going to react to a lot from this past weekend right here, taking you up till 10 o'clock. We're fueled by Thornton stopping this morning. Yes, free breakfast. Free breakfast. You want free breakfast? Sign up to become a member of the Refreshing Rewards program. And by doing that, you get a free breakfast sandwich and a free drink to go with it. Could be coffee, could be soda. And when it comes to the breakfast sandwiches, they've got all kinds of options. And just to uh, to make it clear... Matt, I'm glad uh, you've mentioned your love for these burritos because they are included as well. doesn't have to just be a breakfast sandwich. Oh, breakfast burritos count too, folks. So, uh, yeah, there you go. You're welcome. Sign up if you haven't already. You'll uh, wish that uh, you did it long ago. Can I make up a new identity to get a free breakfast burrito? That's interesting. I wonder if you just, like, made up a phone number. Yeah. We don't want to scam our friends at Thornton's. No, we but, don't. But, but. but if, you, if you are going to commit a crime it, it, and you do it because – it's for more breakfast sandwiches at Thornton's. It's it's kind of understandable. You know what I mean? I, it's a crime of passion. I can see it. It's a crime of passion. It's what it is. All right. Uh, where do we start? I mean, Louisville football, their season is now officially over. They finished very strong with a dominant win over Cincinnati in that bowl game up there in Boston with about 10 fans there. But nonetheless, it was awesome. Louisville basketball, I mean, can they be stopped? Two wins in a row. Come on now. You know Kentucky's scared. You know Big Blue Nation is seeing what Louisville's doing in these last couple of games, Matt, and they're getting worried. They're getting a little nervous. Why wouldn't they be? I mean, Louisville is all the way up to 245 in the Ken Palm. I mean, they're trending at the perfect time. Here we go. Who won this weekend, Louisville or Kentucky, in their games? Although Louisville did drop 18 spots after that win. (laughs) 
Sorry. Save sorry. that for later. Sorry, sorry. I, I was I just noticed that and I was shocked. Yeah. Um anyways. But hey, the Kentucky, Kentucky game scared. is still that one percent chance, baby. Well they lost, Matt. So again. I know, but I'm just saying that one percent's looking pretty good at this point. Yeah, say what you want. Who won this weekend? Louisville did, Kentucky did not. Exactly. Facts. Mm-hmm. We only deal in facts on this show. Uh, facts or feelings. Isn't that what Trump used to say? Is it? I don't or know. Or Trump supporters used to say. You you would know way more about that than me. Yeah. Some part of the red wave. Are you? Yeah. <laughs> is that what it is? Why do you think the show's called the red zone? I, I, I thought it was Louisville, but I guess not. Yeah. Louisville. I'm a Kentucky fan. Oh, that's right. Sorry, my bad. My bad. That's, that's on me. That's, yeah. that's right. Get it right. Um, so, again, a lot to, to react to. My Colts, how about them? Blew the biggest lead in NFL history as they continue to, to strive for the was, for a really was. good pick. They lost. They were up 33 nothing and lost. Yeah, but I remember when the uh, Bills came back from the Oilers, but I think that was 35-3, to so that's 32 points. You sound like Rain Man in there. I remember back with the Bills. And, uh, <laughs> I guess that was a notable game. It was. Was that just a random Sunday you just happen to no, remember it, very vividly? It was a pretty notable game. I think Frank. I think. I think uh, your recently fired head coach was maybe one a part of the comeback there, probably for Buffalo. Um, and then there was many that like wanted to check on me. Like, you guys think I'm invested in Colts football this year? <laughs> Get out of town. No, I mean. I, didn't, I wasn't watching, didn't see a second of it, so it was fine. Like, if I am watching and tuned in because it's just unnatural to root against your team, like, I want to see them do well, I find myself like, hey, here we go, good play. But if I'm, out, if I'm not tuned in, I don't give a damn what happens. In fact, if, when I don't have that emotional investment while watching, I mean, I would say, yeah, if I don't have to experience the pain of watching it, let's go ahead and rack up those losses because that means they for sure aren't going to hire Jeff Saturday, and also we get a better draft pick, and Lord knows we need it. So uh, a great weekend for me. I got a lot of Christmas shopping done. I was off Friday, so I did a lot of shopping then as well. And I'm pretty, I'm pretty much done, I think, with my Christmas shopping. And it's got to be a record for me to get Christmas started or to get Christmas shopping done uh, a week ahead of time. Typically, I'm the guy out days before because I know if I order something online, it won't be here in time. So I'm scrambling. And by the way. Uh, I did a lot of my shopping online with a with a handful of in store purchases. I was out at the uh, the outlet shops, which I feel like it was the first time I was ever at the outlet shops. That place has to be super busy this time of year. Well, yes, I, went, no. I went I went Friday morning, so it wasn't too oh, okay, bad. Yeah, but yeah, bad. if you were there Saturday, I bet it was a, ma- a mess. But it was the first time I've gone to those and actually felt like okay, these are outlet store deals. For a while, it to me just felt like I'm just going to an added location that is not in a shopping mall. Like, I thought the outlets used to be known for, like, yeah, you go to the outlets, you're going to get uh, a crazy clearance deal, and, and there's just deals you can't get anywhere. That's what the outlet stores exist at. But for years, I felt like that was not the case. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was there was a ton of good deals. But um, I just feel like now Christmas shopping, like, for example, Saturday, my wife and I went out to breakfast, a little brunch, little mimosas before the uh, Louisville football game. And then after that, we went to go to the mall. And, Matt, we were at the mall The Saturday before Christmas, so again, a week from Christmas Eve, it's it's like noon. And it wasn't even like remotely crowded. That's weird, right? That's that's odd. It's it is odd, but it's also it's you know, it's 
it's sign of what we're looking for. Oh, sure, yeah. I mean, you know, it, but it, you're right. It is odd. That this time, that time of year, yes, it's odd. I mean, there was, and and really, what the stores in the mall now are, it's just different. Like it's it's not a lot of retail. I mean, there is a lot of. I mean, let me back up. There is there's a lot of retail there, but there's like tattoo shops. There's a place where you can get, uh, I mean, just random stuff. And just retail space is clearly not a, I mean, people buy stuff online. I do as well. But it is kind of, it does make the Christmas experience a little bit different. Does the Jefferson Mall have that, um, that, is that the one? I thought one it's of the one those somebody malls. got shot at last week. Okay, well, beside that, other notable things at the Jefferson <laughs> yeah. Mall. Isn't, did, did, were they the one that had like one of the anchor stores around Halloween was just a Halloween yes. store? Yeah. Okay. That's, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. Like, they turned kind of odd for they, a mall, Yeah. They turned, they turned Sears into that. Yeah. And I don't even know what Sears is now, but then there's like another, like one of the huge department stores that used to be either the Dillard's, the, remember Lazarus? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure which one is closed down, but I think it is Dillard's because I think the, maybe it's the, I don't know what it is, but nonetheless, it's now like a bowling alley and an arcade, which is cool. But that again, cool. like the retail space is just not what it once was. And it has made Christmas shopping, I think, a lot more convenient for folks. But it's also just, you know, to be at the mall and there see there's still arcades. Yeah. Matt, there was no line for Santa at the mall Saturday, a week before. Poor Santa. That's, that's a travesty. See, now I just want to go to an arcade. Go. There's a place called Round One in the Jefferson Mall. You'd be, you'd be like a kid in a candy oh, store. Oh, that sounds amazing. Bowl a couple of games. Get the arcade going. It's uh, it's actually pretty I cool. Mean, Kids love can, it. Can you? I mean, do you? Rem- I mean, I don't know if you ever had this moment when when the, when your mom dropped a five on you and said, "Put it in the quarter machine." Yeah, and a, you would get like twenty quarters, and you're like, "I'm never gonna leave this place." It's a big deal. It's a big oh, deal. What a moment. Now, uh, before we dive in here, uh, biggest event of the weekend, Matt. Last night, how was the Jack Harlow concert? That was great. Uh, really good energy. The song. Mbop, two. What does he sing that? Don't sound like an eighty-year-old. I don't. Are I don't, you trying to be cool? You I were there. Uh, you're right. You're right. Sorry. Is it not like it was you, great? And I enjoyed all of his songs called things. Good. Mm-hmm. I I'll, enjoyed them all. I will say this: um, Jack Harlow, of course, kind of a big deal these days, right? I mean, he's uh, yeah, he's on top of the world. Um, but I had a couple of friends that were going, and. I hope they had a good time, but I was sitting there. We were at Tiff's, my wife's um, grandmother's yesterday doing the Christmas with her side of the family, and I was just, we were in a group chat talking about them going to the concert, and I thought to myself, I don't think there's anything on the planet that I would less like to do than go to a Jack Harlow concert on a Sunday night at the Yum Center, and that makes me such an old fart because it just did, it sounded like hell on earth. Like, just not Jack Harlow, because he's fine. I'm not the biggest fan of his music. I think his music's good, but it's just not, you know, necessarily my cup of tea. But nonetheless, Are like, just the of... overall experience of that just seemed like, man, I'd be... I'd, by the way, my wife and I went out on Saturday, too, with a couple of friends to celebrate a birthday, which we had a good time. But, like, I'm an old fart now. Like, there's no doubt. Like, I'm old. Like, yeah. the mid-30s, going out to, like, the place we went to, which was actually a really cool place. is like a, a Christmas pop-up bar in Nulu. Good vibes. We had a good time, but like we're sitting around, hanging out, just you know, enjoying ourselves, and just in the area, you could tell. Like, yeah, uh, they're not like twenty one, but they're like mid twenties. I'm ten years older than them. Like, it just felt like I feel like the old guy now. Is there a place to go for people my age where we don't feel out of place? 
Yeah, assisted living. Is that? <laughs> I mean, we're not that old. Oh, sorry. I, you asked. I mean, we had a good time, but it just like, you know, it was the first time I went out, out. Like, you know, having a night out. We didn't get there till like 1130. We had a sitter. We were having a good time. And it just, it didn't, I shouldn't say that I felt uncomfortable, but it was just like noted that we were the old people there. And that was just different to me. But hey, you know, it's going to happen. It's bound to happen. Did you say the concert was on a Sunday night? I think so. Yeah. They, I'm going to sound like I'm 80, but do they do a lot of Sunday? Oh yeah, Why there's a lot of concert. A concert on a Sunday night. The the Don't Yum Center have to work. The Yum Center gets a ton of Sunday concerts, and I think it's because the it's a big big enough city, big venue. But the Saturdays are going to go to the bigger ones, if that makes sense. Okay. There's the occasional, but I feel like a but lot isn't of concerts. Carlo big. He is. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what is. Um, yeah, I don't. I, I I really don't know what led to them not being able to do it on Saturday night. I'm sure he's on tour. Maybe he was in a different city. I'm not sure. I mean, yeah. you're the Jack Harlow spokesman of the, That's true. Of the show, I, I, so you got to figure it am. out. you got to figure it out. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, let's dive in, shall we? 502-653-0790 is the LNN Federal Credit Union text line. We'd love to hear from you. We've already got some liars on the text line. Like what? What do you mean? Uh, this person says, let me see here. Damn, Wi-Fi's gone. I got the air conditioning's out again. Wi-Fi's not working, but... Um, this person said, tuned in for the post-game show, bummed to hear there wasn't one for either game. Well, I'm bummed to hear you don't listen well. I'm bummed to know you don't follow schedule. We did have a post-game show. I got to get on that internet. I'm late on everything. Yeah, we did have a post-game show. You missed it. It's on you, not me. We, we weren't going to do two post-game shows. What we did was not ideal, but, you know. What are you going to do? We did a post-game show for the football game, reacting to that, and then we reacted to the basketball game as it was going on. So the post-game show for for, for football ended kind of sort of right as the basketball game was wrapping up. So we did have a post-game show, so you're a liar. But it was weird because, you know. With respect. With respect, you're a liar. Yeah. Actually, you know what? Not with respect. Oh, wow. Not with disrespect, but just not with respect. Just just no comment. Well, you know, I just. Nothing added. Yeah. I mean, right. I'm sorry. I'm glad you were wanting to hear the postgame show. And again, if you listen, you could have heard it. Um, but I just, I don't know. I'll move. I, I need to. You know what? You know what I want to say sometimes when people are like, "Why weren't you doing a postgame show? Where are you at?" <laughs> you want to ask them why they speak that way? We've already heard this show. Damn it! <laughs> How many times are you going to play the Jeff Brom interview, Coffee? We get it. He was on your show. Do, do you, do you want to tell him, uh, sorry, I'll give you your money back? Is that what you want to yes. tell him? Yes. Okay. I want to say, oh, please, uh, which, give me your receipt. We'll get it worked out. Yeah. Show me your receipt. We'll get it taken care of. Yeah. We'll get you your money back on yeah. that. Sorry about that. Okay. So this person is saying, well, see, I caught him in a lie. I caught him in a lie. Is, is, are they emailing back or are they yeah, texting yeah. back and saying sorry? He says it wasn't on the podcast. Well, no, it's not. And that's not my fault, but it was not up on the podcast. Maybe we'll get it up this morning, um, but like, you know, not not if you're going to be rude about it. That's right. We'll get it up. That's right. A few texts and say, "Could you please?" You know. And but and also, just please um, get, keep your receipt for every day. Every <laughs> keep your receipt for everybody we listen. That way, we can always go back and right. re- anytime there's refund a problem, you what you pay. We will absolutely give you your money back. And look, it, at the end of the day, it's all great because it, it is. I'd rather have people be. You know, tuned in and noticing, oh, looks like Nick's not here today. 
because that means they're there. They're, 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 they're craving the con- They want it, right? They're there for it. And, you know, when I take a day off and it's not there, you're, un- you know, you're, you're unhappy. And, and that's not good that you're unhappy. But the reason why you're unhappy is, I guess, a compliment to me. But it's just the way in which some people address it. You know, the how many times are you going to play the Braum interview? <laughs> a little bit of entitlement there, right? Yeah. I'm entitled to this free radio. Yeah. So I'm sorry. Um, but just so you know, Friday, we won't be here. Monday, we won't be here. But and you will hear national shows then. But we, that is true. He is He's not lying to you. We won't be here. We won't be on the air live on Friday or Monday. But either day, if you want to drive to Nick's house, he will totally let you come on in and talk sports during the time that the show would be on, and he will just sit at, on his couch and talk sports with you. Just head on over to Nick's house Friday morning, Monday morning, either one, totally fine, and he'll talk sports with you all morning. Yeah, I don't think my wife would be uh, would be cool with that. Too late now. Yeah. She married into it, right? Yep. All right. Uh I don't want to go all the way here just because we don't have a ton of time yet, but we do need to just sort of quickly wrap up the Louisville football season because they wrapped it up on Saturday with a win, finishing 8-5, and five, and really in a game that was not close. And once Louisville got off to a little bit of a lead, that lead slowly but surely kept growing, and Cincinnati had no answers. And it was a great way to finish things. And I, I said this yesterday on Twitter, and we can kind of carry over the conversation here because – it may not surprise you, but like I don't, I don't keep up with other like maybe there's one similar situation that comes to mind for you that it has not come to mind for me. But the question is, has there is there a comparable situation where a program has lost their coach who took another job, like left to go get another job? Now we all know the circumstances here. Like Satterfield knew he wasn't going to get a new contract, therefore he wanted to keep his, uh, you know head on a swivel looking for other opportunities, and his agent found him one, and it's great. But just think about it. Louisville right now just finished 8-5. and five. Their coach left to take another job, yet Louisville fans are on top of the world. Has there ever been a program that lost their coach after a successful season who took another college job that are as happy as Louisville fans are right now? Jeff Brom's coming home. Oh, by the way, you go and beat the team that your coach just left for. And it's weird because – we all wanted to score when that dork was on TV being interviewed, right? They had him up there in the first half, second quarter, and I wanted so badly for Louisville, for Louisville to just do something embarrassing to his new team. But then again, it's weird because technically, you know, he did coach that team this year that embarrassed the team he took over from, so he can kind of say, hey, that's why you hired me. Look what I did. But nonetheless, um, he's gone, and everything is coming up aces for Louisville. They've got the coach that they wanted, the coach that's going to energize and excite the fan base. And oh, by the way, recruiting, we're going to get to that coming up here in just a moment. But they've already landed two commitments over the weekend from the transfer portal. Two guys that uh, come from big schools. One, Stephen Heron, the kid from Stanford who played at Trinity High School, coming off the best season of his career. He's going to finish his career here at Louisville. And then another defensive lineman who transfers over from Penn State. And then, by the way, you've got signing day coming up Wednesday. And it still looks as if Louisville's in phenomenal shape with this class. So you've got the coach you wanted. You're coming off an eight-win season. You're about to sign the highest-ranked class you've ever had, unless, of course, some things change from now until signing day. It's just great. And what was it? Two weeks ago today is when we found out that Satterfield was gone. And, like, 
at that point, I think fans had just accepted, look, it is what it is, right? It is what it is. Like, nobody's through the moon. Nobody's super excited. But the guy hadn't been terrible enough to fire, so we're just going to keep riding this thing out and seeing what happens. And now he's, you know, he's gone, and it's great. Happy trails, Sat. Happy trails. Matt, did you listen to his interview on the game I Saturday? No. Yeah, I'm surprised. I figured you'd been tuned in. Yeah. So what was the ball again? Uh, the Fenway Bowl, the Wasabi Fenway Bowl. Yeah, that's one of the New Year's 27. Is that what yeah. that is? Yeah, I, uh, I'm surprised he didn't advocate once again for staying off the internet, you know? I'll tear you down. I mean, they will, and he's, you know, he's the first, he knows that now. I mean, he knows for sure that, that if, you're, if you're on the internet, they will, in fact, tear you down. You just look on the internet. They'll tear you down. I do love that while he said that to the Cincinnati team as he was meeting them on his way up when he got there a couple weeks ago, like literally as he's doing that, Twitter's flooded with former players, current players just calling him out for being a phony. <laughs> like, yeah, that guy's not as genuine as he claims he is. Uh, never met my parents despite them wanting to meet him for four years when he coached me. Uh, yeah, he begged me to go on Twitter and uh, – and tell, tell the fan base that he loves us. <laughs> Dork. Anyways, a uh, lot of football stuff to get to. And then how about Louisville basketball again? They get another win. I can't. I don't know what to do with this team now. We had one day on Thursday where it was a breath of fresh air. We're reacting to a team that actually looked pretty damn good. Got their first win. They look like a different team. We don't really know what to make of it. But hey, let's have a night where we can at least say good for these guys. They got a win. And then Saturday, I don't think they played very well. And, like, am I supposed to be surprised? Am I supposed to be disappointed? Because, let's be real, the game against Western was kind of the outlier, right? At every other point this year, they've been pretty underwhelming and not very good, and I think that's what we saw Saturday. But they did win, so it's like, what maybe, do we do? The, or maybe this is a team that can play bad and still win now. Maybe that's maybe that's the new. Maybe oh. that's what it is. Maybe this is now a team. Not only Interesting. did they, they just I didn't come out of that. nowhere and double-digit Western – this is now also a team that can play poorly and still win. I like that. That's a good way to See look at it. See what happened? And then we also have to talk about Kentucky because I'm not saying this to to pile on, but I, I think Kentucky fans are as out and as, can I say done? Are they done with Calipari? I mean, I think they know that He's not going anywhere. He's got a lifetime contract. He's going to coach there as long as he wants to. And I think they know that there's no guarantee they get anybody that's better because he's Calipari. But I do think what it's what it's turned into is that the fan base for Kentucky, at least the ones I hear from, and I know a lot of Kentucky fans. Trust me. I mean, I a lot of my friends are Kentucky fans. I think they're just ready for something new. I don't think if you put a gun to their head and said, "Do you fire Cal now or not, or do you want him to leave?" I don't know if they would. I don't know if they'd know what to 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 say. But I just think the way in which they lost to UCLA, they continue to look like such a mess offensively. They should, in fact, just be better than they are, and they don't have a win really worth speaking of right now. And they were coming off of a good season despite it coming up short in the tournament. They bring back the National Player of the Year. Oh, by the way, they've got two really good freshmen in Livingston and Wallace, and yet they're just blah. They're not. They look very regular, if you will. And I just think their fans have hit a level to where there is just, they're just they're just wore out with Cal and everything that comes with it. So we will of course take satisfaction in that. As they suffer, we at least don't feel as bad about our team. That's sort of how the rivalry works, right? 
And if you've been on the internet, Matt, you'll see the Kentucky fans. They'll tear you down. They're tearing Cal down. You, you know? just look on the internet. They'll tear you down. He's getting torn down by his fan base. All right, quick timeout. Season's greetings. Red Zone with Nick Coffee on 790 KRD, fueled by Thorntons. All right, 502 750 is the number if you guys want to text in on the LNN Federal Credit Union text line. Members get more at LNN FCU, and you can learn more and open an account today at LNFCU.com. Uh, this text says, I can never see Cincinnati as a rival again at all. Even when we played them Saturday and beat them down, I just want to hug them and kiss them for taking away Scott Satterfield. I know the feeling. I know the feeling. I mean, I was, I was doing um, Friday. I was out, but I, I jumped on HAS with, uh, with the folks over there to talk about the game and just kind of looking. I wanted, you know, this was probably the least talked about bowl game ever for Louisville because so much going on off the field with Brom coming in, recruiting, the transfer portal, all that kind of stuff. And this game was early in the bowl process, which is not ideal for, for anybody given recruiting and whatnot, but just looking sort of at the teams and realizing how thin Cincinnati was with losing guys to the portal in the draft and Louisville was missing some guys as well, but Cincinnati was missing a lot of their offense and you could certainly tell they're all, I mean, Louisville's defense played great, but Cincinnati was just, I mean, their quarterback stinks. I think their leading receiver in that game was actually a running back, meaning like going into the game because everybody who caught passes for them this year didn't play. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it still blows my mind that Cincinnati hired Scott Satterfield. Seriously, like, I can't believe it. It's great, but I, you, you got to wonder if they feel like they made, you know, a wise choice there. But, hey, I want to thank them uh, for doing that. All right, so the news of the weekend, quickly here, um, it's in the portal. Louisville has landed two players from the portal. Stephen Heron Jr., a kid from Trinity High School who played the last four years at Stanford. He's coming off his best season at Stanford this past year, and uh, he will come back home for his final season of eligibility. He's a 6'3", 240-pound edge, a guy who um, was a big-time recruit coming out of, uh, of, high, of, of, of high school here in town. Had offers from just about everybody. I'm pretty sure he had been previously committed to Michigan and then flipped to Stanford once he got the offer there to play for David Shaw. So that gives you an experienced, physical, big defensive lineman that uh, kind of feels like Louisville was lacking in having that kind of personnel during the Satterfield era. And then the other commitment they got was Rodney McGraw, who is a transfer from Penn State, 6'5", 270, I think he played just one season at Penn State after redshirting when he got on campus. And uh, here's the hope, and it works out for him here. I think it's a good get in the portal. But I think one thing we are going to have to – maybe I was going to say we're going to have to just understand this, but maybe we don't. Maybe it's like whatever. You know, you can get excited. I'm not telling anybody to not be excited. I'm glad they got these guys. Um, but the portal is the ultimate crapshoot because you see it everywhere. There are guys who end up in the portal that are leaving – Pretty good schools. And there are the occasional exception where a guy's like a phenomenal player and just decides, hey, I'm going to I'm going to leave. But a lot of guys 
somebody's leaving from Bama. Somebody's leaving from from you know from Penn State, like this McGraw kid. The optics are great. Like, oh man, this kid's from Penn State. He wants to come play for Louisville now. Great. He was a you know pretty high, highly ranked prospect coming out of high school. Like that's all great. But you know there may be a reason they're leaving. So like I just want to give you all a heads up. There may be certain guys that Louisville gets in the portal that I'm clearly happy about. But I'm not going to tell you that this guy's going to turn the world upside down because you really just don't know, right? Maybe he fits better with what this defense wants to do compared to what was at Penn State. So, um, but look, you got to take advantage of the portal. You're going to lose guys, so you got to go out there and fill those voids. And uh, I'd say right now it's early, and you got a long way to go. There's going to be more guys that hit the portal. There's three waves, in my opinion, when it comes to the portal. Right after the season ends, which you already had that wave, after all the bowl games come to an end, you'll have another wave. And then after spring ball, when guys realize, okay, I wanted to give it another shot here, but after spring, I'm still not where I want to be. As far as the rotation, the depth charts, I'm going to go portaling. So the goal now is to, of course, bring in more than you lost. And if you can do that every year, sometimes easier said than done, then I'd say, you know, you're, you're in good shape. And we are two days away from signing day. And uh, fingers crossed uh, that uh, they can get all these guys signed. I mean, there was a ton of guys on campus this weekend. They were taking advantage of that last that last uh, extra visit that they get due to the coaching change. So hopefully that was another opportunity to kind of seal the deal and, and, and make sure these guys are willing to make it official on signing day. Uh, all right, 502-653-0790 is the text line, the LNN Federal Credit Union text line. Um, this person says, Nick, uh, my wife is a PI. That's what she does for a living. I'm convinced if you hire her, she can determine whether or not some of these idiots on Twitter are in fact Satterfield family burner accounts. So I try not to, to get into the weeds on Twitter too much because I know a lot of you guys are not on Twitter um, and that's okay. But yeah, so I, I think I was among many Louisville fans on Saturday during the bowl game, sort of just, you know, taking satisfaction in Louisville, getting the best of Cincinnati, knowing Satterfield took the job. Like nobody's like it, we don't have to, like, give the man a, a, a parade out of town. Like he wasn't good enough to be the coach when he was here. I said that when he was here for the most part and was never blown away by. Him, I mean, his results were not good enough to where we felt like this was heading in the right direction, but they also weren't bad enough to where you say, okay, we've got to pull the plug now. I mean, it was a unique situation for Louisville fans. So there are there were a couple people, two people specifically, that, you know, just were defending sad and like blaming Louisville fans for how they treated him. And I when I just look at their their thread, like all the things that they tweeted, I swear to you, it 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 has to be somebody related to Satterfield. Or like a family member of from the previous staff because I don't look every fans can have whatever feelings they want. We don't all have to agree. We rarely do all agree on the same thing. But the 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 I'll just read for you this exchange. I said, and look, I said this before. Satterfield is a dork. I tweeted that out during the game. Scott Satterfield is such a dork. And he is. And you know what? If he wanted a high level, he'd be our dork and we'd embrace him. But he didn't. He was a dork who didn't really win enough. And I shouldn't call anybody names, but like that, I think that's the best way to describe his brand. He was kind of a dork, right? So this 
and, and other people are calling them out as well. This is an account that has, that has 17 followers. It's Lamar Stan. And if you just go read their tweets, it's just going out of their way, using Twitter to specifically take up for a coach who's no longer here anymore. Who would do that? says, it's just so weird UofL fans personally attack someone for making a decision that was the only option for him. What? Don't act like Satterfield could have returned. He was offered a six-year deal at Cincinnati and only had one or two years left with Louisville in a frustrated fan base. It was obvious he had to leave. Well, yeah, and we thank him for that. Like I, I, Again, people can feel whatever way they want to feel, but... It just seems odd to, 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 you know, there's another Twitter account called Bonza Baby. They have seven followers and go read their, their timeline. It's just people going out. It's just somebody on this Twitter account just going out of their way to defend Satterfield even after he's gone. Who would do that other than somebody like close to Satterfield? And this person says they think they know they know nothing. And, I'm, and I responded like, what do you know that we don't know? It's ob- this, this whole Satterfield situation is very obvious, very obvious. He wanted an extension. He had not earned one, therefore he was not going to get one, so he found a new job. That is what happened. And if you're going to argue he deserved a new, an extension, then I think you're probably biased towards him. But that's just me. Maybe you are, in fact, just a diehard Louisville fan that felt like Scott Satterfield was the guy, and he was going to, uh, you know, get Louisville football where we wanted to be, but I was never convinced that that was, uh, that was going to happen. All right, somebody on the text line, Matt, doesn't like my sweater. How would they know what it looks like? Well, because I posted it. Oh, I thought you meant the one you were wearing now. Yeah. It's not a sweater, sweatshirt, but okay. They think it was crude. You want to read it? You want me to read it for you? Sure. It says, Nick, I'm all in on having fun and yucking it up. Okay. But you do brand yourself as a family man, yet you spend a lot of time on Friday's show talking about porn. Right. And now you've got a vulgar sweatshirt on all over the internet. Be smarter. By the way, it wasn't Friday. We were off Friday. It was Thursday. We talked a lot of porn. Yeah. Thursday look, was porn. When, 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 look, when the Pornhub annual year in review findings come in, you want st- to, you think we're not going to break that down? Hello. It, it, it is a, a news item. And it's a chance for America to brag once again that we watch more Pornhub content than any other country, and it's not even close. Pardon me for celebrating America. God forbid we that, give that uh, the is. red, white, and blue their their props when needed. Mm-hmm. And yes, is it a vulgar shirt? I mean, I mean, it you, had, was, you had your Mickey voice on for me. It was. What, I mean, what, what? I mean, it says snowball. Oh boy. It says snow. It's a shirt, it's a Christmas sweater you that has to read a snowman. Mm-hmm. I get it. Okay, but yeah, but we know what it said. Go to Twitter because twi- yeah. go to Twitter because um, yeah. I won't say it, and it's yeah. I don't think it's going to offend anybody. I what mean, a, what about my wife's sweatshirt? It is an adult shirt, though, right? Is it not? Sure. I didn't say it was crude. I wouldn't wear it, it to adult. my. I wouldn't wear it to my kid's school. There you go. So I wore it out to a bar. Yeah. All right, I'm going to get to this on the other side because somebody texted in about the Jack Harlow concert and made an observation that I can't say that I wholeheartedly agree with because I wasn't there, but we'll get to that. And we have to talk about U.K. basketball because Louisville's 2-9. and nine. They're not very good, right? They're having a nightmare season. Um, but you know what makes us feel a little bit better when that happens, seeing Kentucky lose? I mean, they're still going to win probably next week by a, bi- a billion points. 
But when they lose, at least makes us feel not as bad, right? Because that's how rivalry works. And I think now we are at a point that this fan base has maybe never been as down on Cal as they are right now. I mean, if you go back to the night they lost to St. Peter's, I'm sure the raw emotion of that upset was as down as they've ever been. But he's not done anything to really sort of change his situation, what, 10 games into the follow-up season after losing to a 15 seed. And he's got a lifetime contract. They're never going to fire him. But, like, has this thing run its course? I mean... I think Kentucky, I think there are more Kentucky fans that would lean on the side of, yeah, it kind of has run its course than maybe ever. So a lot more to come. It's a Monday. It's Christmas week. Maybe we'll play some Christmas songs for you this morning. Stick with us. You are in the red zone. We're fueled by Thornton's right here on 790 KRD. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Wonderful time. With the kids jingle belling and everyone telling you be of good cheer. You're in the red zone with Nick Coffee on 790 KRD. Fueled by Thornton's. That's right. You are in the red zone here on 790 KRD. Thanks for hanging out with us. We appreciate it. My name is Nick Coffee, the marvelous Matt Allen alongside. Congrats to Danny Busboom Kelly and the Louisville Volleyball team for having a phenomenal season once again, getting all the way to the national championship game. Fell short in the title game to Texas, but that's a back-to-back Final Fours, and uh, they're about to break through. I mean, they've already broken through as the elite of the elite, but when I say break through, like, nobody'd be surprised if they keep getting to those Final Fours and eventually win a national championship. Many of you this morning on the text line asking if I'd seen, and you were sending me, the screenshot of uh, the Courier-Journal's headline. Uh, Matt, have you seen this? You're a Courier-Journal loyalist. (laughs) Okay, I have not, no. I mean, I, I'm, I'm kind of in disbelief because, like, I understand that the print media and even the online world of print media, I mean, it's, it's just – it's got to be a, an industry that is struggling. I mean, you've seen what newsrooms have turned into at places like the CJ. And I have a lot of friends that have worked at the CJ that have moved on because they probably saw the writing on the wall. And I have some eh, – I think I have one person I know that, I, that I'm, you know, friendly with that still works there. So I don't want to pile on. But this just seemed like it something that they had to do to get attention because Danny Bisboom Kelly, I believe, is the first woman to ever coach in a national championship game in volleyball. There's never been a coach that's won it. Um, historical run for UFL volleyball in the last couple of years, no doubt. And here's what the Courier Journal's tweet said with the article attached recapping the national championship game. Listen to this, Matt. No title for Cardinal women's team. No history for Coach Danny Busboom Kelly. Instead, the Longhorns ran UofL out of Omaha in dominant fashion. Okay. Is that bad? Or? Yes. That's okay. just like, Is that that's, they, that's did, might as well be from KSR. I mean, that's making fun of Louisville. That's not, to me, I know what you're doing, and I hear you, but that's not objective. That's like... You could have just mentioned Texas too much for cards, but like she did make history by even getting there. Like that just seemed like a personal shot. That that's true. That's, I mean, I guess they were saying no history because they didn't win it. I guess all you can do is say Longhorns ran UofL out of Omaha in dominant fashion. That alone would have been fine. But yeah. to, no title, no history. Instead, I, mean, I, I guess they got, I, instead they got their ass kicked. <laughs> what? 
That's not How about that, Danny Busboom Kelly? No history for you, you loser. Oh, and by the way, Longhorns ran your ass out of Omaha. I mean, that just seemed like, what? And I don't I, I know that those who write these columns and these articles, I don't know if it's changed because they've, they've cut so many resources at these newspapers that, like, I don't I mean, do they still have people that just work on the leads and yeah. the, and the, I mean, I'm not saying that to pile on. I'm genuinely asking, do they have enough money to pay somebody to still do that? Or if you, if you write the article, are you printing up the paper as well? Because, like, they're, they're so thin. I are you going to the presses and, and deliver? The, the people who write for the CJ, they're probably the ones out this morning at four o'clock delivering it as well because they can't pay anybody to do anything. I know it's the hometown paper, but maybe I'm, maybe I'm the cardinal hater now because that just doesn't seem that bad to me. Oh, I totally disagree. And okay. I, I, and I have no like, you know, no offense, but I, I don't have any sentimental love for volleyball. I mean, I hope they do well, but I don't like, want to be a phony and act like I'm invested in volleyball. I'm not. I mean, what, what would be bad from the hometown, you know, headline would be fo- cards fold like cheap chairs they sat on. Like that's, but that's, that's not, mean. Yeah, but that's not mean. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I mention the score. Don't mention. Brent dominant fashion ran him out of town. Is it the best no of his- five sets? The, the no history for Coach Danny Busman Kelly is just not necessary. Well, like that's you said, acknowledging- though, it's not technically true either, right? Because that's, she yeah. was, she did make history. But, he, by but being even the- but even if that wasn't the case, like that is yeah. that's your reaction that history wasn't made when technically yeah. again it was. But also she has been the beg- the, the best young star in women's vol in, in coaching. Is like, it a five set match? I believe. Yeah. Did they lose in straight sets? I have no clue. Okay. Well, because if they did, then that is. I really, I really don't know. Kind of a dominant loss. Yeah, I don't know. But okay, I mean, you might as well have said again, no title for those bum ass Louisville Cardinal volleyball players. History for Danny Buscum Kelly. Yeah, right, you loser. Instead, <laughs> not even close. The to Longhorns. They ran those Cardinal birds out of town. Get your ass back to Loserville. This might have, might as well have been what it said. And then they threw an L's down in there as well. I mean, that's what it was. What it read like. And I'm, you know, that is what the Courier should do every time Louisville loses. No people, headline, just put a symbol of L's down at the top of the head, <laughs> uh, top of the sports page. That's what they should do. The doors if they are, really want to get on on the on the board. Yeah, that's what they should do. It would get them more attention than what they're it doing absolutely now. Absolutely would. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God! All right, we got two more hours to go. Stick with us. Christmas week. You're in the red zone with Nick Coffee on 790 KRD, fueled by Thorntons. All right, let's do it. It's hour number two here on a Monday morning, Christmas week, getting started. Good vibes. My name's Nick Coffee, the marvelous Matt Allen alongside today. Two more hours to go, so stick with us. Take us with you wherever you go. Listen live on the iHeartRadio app. Listen live at 790krd.com. And if you want to be a part of the show, you can. 502-653-0790. That is the LNN Federal Credit Union text line. We did talk a lot of football in the first uh, hour, just as we officially can uh, wrap up this season. Now you finish 8-5, and five, and it just it's, it, it's like Christmas came early for Louisville football fans, right? You win 8-5, and five, solid season. Beat your rival in a bowl game. The keg of nails remains in Louisville's possession. And Cincinnati took Satterfield off your hands, and you've now got Jeff Brom coming in, and he's about to potentially sign the number one class this school's ever had. I mean, it's, it, it's great 
vibes are great for Louisville football right now. We had somebody earlier mention that they can't even be like mad at Cincinnati anymore and ever dislike them because we're just going to be forever grateful for uh, them taking Satterfield off our hands. And I kind of agree. I really do. But I asked, has there been any other, is there a comparable situation to this one for Louisville? Like, is there any other fan base that has had a solid season going eight and five? And yet your coach left for another job, but you're over the moon. You feel like it worked out perfect for you. I don't, I don't know if, if there's a comparable situation. Some of you have mentioned when Bill Curry got ran out of uh, Alabama after going, um, his last team went 10-1 and one in the regular season, but went to the Sugar Bowl and lost to Miami. So, I don't know. And he had also lost to Auburn, I guess, three years in a row. So, Drew writes in mentioning that that's a comparable situation. Fair enough. I mean, I'll take your word for it. I don't remember the Bill Curry era at Alabama. Matt can break that down for us later um, if he'd like. Uh, this one's <laughs> this is from Blair. It says, starting to uh, think we may never lose again. Rational, correct? Absolutely. That's, that's the way I feel. I mean, Jeff Brown's not going to lose a game, right? I mean, Louisville football can't lose. Uh, Zach says, Tubby leaving Kentucky for Minnesota. Their fans were pumped. Yeah, that's, I, I think it's comparable whenever you look at the fans being happy for something new. But Tubby, it just run, it had just run its course. I don't think they were mad at Tubby and ran him out of town because I think they love Tubby. Tubby won a national championship there. So I think they were frustrated with just sort of the program kind of becoming stale but Louisville fans never really, from what I can tell, and look, some of you may have while he was here, but I don't even know how genuine that was. If as many people love Satterfield as at least some claim, we'd have more people at games. Like Satterfield just didn't move the needle for us. I remember a lot of Kentucky fans not being happy with Tubby. Not you, you mean when he left? Yeah. Not, I mean, not because he left. Gotcha. But, yeah, yeah. But yeah. like before, like sure. uh, this style of play. Yeah, I'm so be, sick yeah. of this style of play. We need to get this guy yeah, it, out it, of it, here. It had become Tim lost Tubby. Yeah, it had be, become really stale um, with uh, with with Tubby, no doubt. But I think they still deep down, I don't know. Maybe they were happy he left because they wanted something new. I think that was actually kind of obvious. But I don't think Louisville fans sort of had the the connection to Satterfield the way they did Tubby overall. But maybe I'm wrong. Again, I'm not a Kentucky fan, believe it or not, regardless of what you guys might think. But, um, yeah, that didn't work out well. They probably missed Tubby during those Billy G, era, Billy, Billy G days. But I And I miss Billy G, to be honest with you. Life was a lot better whenever uh, Billy Gillespie was in town getting drunk and singing at karaoke bars and turning Kentucky basketball into a um, not-great program. However, Cal has had a worse loss, uh, has, a, has had a worse season than the one Billy had. And I'd say Cal now also owns the worst Kentucky tournament loss. So that's on his resume as well. This is a good one. Bo Pelini. Bo Pelini at Nebraska was there from 2008 to 2014. And he went 67 and 27, 39 and 17 in conference play. He spent most of his time in the Big 12. And then actually he did three years in the Big 12 and four years in the Big 10. And they fell pretty far after he left. And didn't work out well for him, but maybe that's a comparable situation that, I mean, hell, Bo Pelini went nine and three in his last year at Nebraska. So maybe that is, maybe that's the most comparable. And hopefully we don't learn, you know, that we made the wrong decision, but hey, it all worked out. Like nobody can look back at Louisville 
if this doesn't work out with Braum and say that anybody messed up because Satterfield left. Now, maybe you would say you should have given him a an extension, but if you find out down the line, like, I, trust me, I don't for a second believe that this is how it's going to play out. But if it did, where Louisville struggles under Braum and Satterfield's like lighting it up against Cincinnati, you could say that, man, you should have given him a contract extension, but you also have to not try to rewrite history. Anybody that argued Satterfield was worthy of a, a, a lengthy extension is wrong. You're just wrong. I don't even feel like it's opinion. I, you're wrong. The guy had a losing record in the worst Power 5 league in a four-year stretch. Saying he was deserving of a long time. Ex- and by the way, again, I know coaches don't coach on the end of their deal, and he proved that by leaving. He was not going to go into a year where he only had two years left on his contract. He took less money to go to Cincinnati because he wanted the security of having you know, lengthy amount of time on a deal. So it makes sense. But Josh Hurd, I think, played it perfectly by not giving him an extension and basically saying, look, we're not going to fire you. We're not going to you know, move on from you, but we want to see more before I can give you an extension. We're just going to keep things as is, and that's why a contract is what it is. And it, again, it could not have worked out better for, uh, could not have worked out better for, for Louisville. Uh, Tony mentions, we never, excuse me, I think I just burped on the air. I apologize. I was chugging Sprite. Sorry. Apologies. Now I'm embarrassed. That won't be the only embarrassing thing I say this morning, I'm sure. But Mark Rick leaving Georgia is a good one because I remember being down in Atlanta when Louisville played Auburn years ago, back in, I think, 2015, maybe it was 14, maybe it was when Lamar uh, made his debut. And uh, we stopped on the way back and we're in Georgia around a bunch of Georgia fans as they were watching their team play. And I think Georgia might have opened the season with a loss that year. And Mark Richt, I mean, he was good at Georgia. I mean, he had, I mean, just look at, I mean, Mark Yurick was at Georgia from 2001 to 2015. And it looks as if in those years, there's only a few where he didn't finish with double digit wins. So he was good, but Georgia kind of felt like it had run its course and it, and it maxed out. So maybe that is a comparable situation. But again, it just feels like Louisville fans got their Christmas present early Christmas and birthday because Satterfield's gone Cincinnati paid to take him off our hands and now Louisville is in seemingly a really good spot and I don't you know it's hard to know just by looking at what's on Twitter and whatnot but it does certainly seem as if Louisville fans are going out of their way to let everybody know hey I'm back in I'm buying season tickets once again and that's good you need that because that's that box that I talked about that Jeff could check that I don't think another candidate could not to say another candidate couldn't have success here and potentially get Louisville to a really, really good spot. But a guy coming in that knows us, that can instantly get us back engaged, enthusiasm up, it was Jeff Brom. That was the only guy that can do that right out of the gate. Now, how well is he going to do here? Well, only time will tell. And also, we did mention, if you are just now joining us, a couple of transfers already committing to Louisville over the weekend after the visit. Rodney McGraw, a defensive lineman from Penn State, and then uh, hometown kid Stephen Heron Jr., who played at Trinity, is now uh, coming off a, a four-year stretch at Stanford. Coming off his best season, by the way, out there in the Bay Area. And he's now going to come home and play for, uh, for Jeff Brom and Ron English. So signing day's Wednesday. Fingers crossed that they can make it official. And as of now, there's been no more decommitments. So that's good. And a lot of these guys were on campus this weekend. So hopefully that was sort of the, uh, the deal sealer, if you will. All right, a couple of you asking, you know, what can what, what should we make of Louisville basketball now? They did, in fact, get a win. Only the second win of the season. Can we, does it have to be a, a three-game stretch for it to be called a winning streak, Matt? 
Like a streak, I've always felt like needed to be more than two, but maybe I'm wrong. They got two. We know that. You, it's, it's, they're in a row, aren't they? Look, I called Matt last night to uh, you know to go over some stuff, and he was in the film room breaking down yep. the Florida A&M game. What'd you what'd you what'd you take away from that one? Lots of um, lots of good things. I mean, they won the game. Bad first half, but yeah. second half you were pleased with. I mean, they they won the second half by what six, two, four. <laughs> I don't know. I'm asking. I mean, you're the guy that's breaking down the film. Yeah. So, yeah, they, uh, let's see here. I'm looking at the numbers and it, yeah, so Louisville won the. Uh, they only shot 14 threes. That's probably yeah. an improvement. Yeah, but that's kind of, that that had been what they were, I mean, Florida State and I'd say against Florida State and Western combined, I think they shot about 50% from three. Yeah, so but that, they're 276 from three. Are they? In the nation. And I'll say this. I wouldn't shoot a lot of those if you're that I will say this. Obviously, just seeing the ball go in is going to be a big difference maker for you and get your confidence going. And let's be real, the Western game, that's what got it rolling. I think they did come out. And the way I described it on Saturday during the postgame show is, they. to me, it seemed like after the Florida State loss, when it seemed as if maybe the negativity had hit a new level, I think these guys just stopped feeling sorry for themselves, players and coaches. And they were no, I mean, they didn't come out against Western and lick their wounds. They just came out and had some energy and they played with confidence, kind of played a little carefree and it worked. And then I didn't see, I was live on the air during the beginning of this game against Florida A&M. So I didn't see it, but I do know they only led 22 to 20 at half, which is again, against one of the worst teams in the country. So I can't give you analysis on something I didn't watch, but not a good half to see this group when they're coming off of a good game against Western, the only win of the season where they look like a new team. As I'm looking here in the stats, they didn't score a field goal in the last four minutes, which is not ideal. They did have about a eight to nine-ish point lead, and I'm seeing here they only won by six. So um, you won, so there's that. And if there's one thing that stands out in the stat sheet is Sidney Curry once again had played better. Uh, he had in 27 minutes, he had 13 points and 19 rebounds. That's the most rebounds in a game from a Louisville player since Luke Whitehead back in the early 2000s. So... You know, you won. We'll move on. You play Lipscomb tomorrow night in a game that I feel like there's actually an opportunity to 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 to, to do something again. And this is what I was talking to Matt about last night. If they win, they're three and nine. They're still in the midst of an awful season that is potentially going to go down as one of the worst ever, maybe the worst season ever here. But when you're zero and nine and you win three in a row, I think you have to balance it. You have to look at yourself and know, yeah. We still suck overall because, again, you are what your record says you are. And I hate to use the word suck, but, like, you're 3-9. and nine. Imagine describing anything other than a 3-9 and nine team as a team that sucks. That's just kind of the reality of it. But if you win this, and I'm, this is a lot of ifs, but if you, if you do win Lipscomb and you had just won those three silly games at the beginning of the year and you're 6-6, six and six, yes, around here. Different world. It's still like, what's going on with this team? This is not Louisville basketball. But around the nation – no one's talking about Louisville if you're 6-6. Six and six. And that's actually a good thing because if they're talking about you nationally now, it's because they're talking about how much you suck. Right. So 6-6, six and six, let's be real, that's nothing to be happy about. But good God, 6-6 six and six looks, a lot worse than, looks a lot better than 3-9. and nine. So I was hoping they just came out and played with a lot of energy and confidence against Florida A&M given what happened against Western. And I guess that's just not what we saw. But how can I act as if I'm surprised and disappointed if this team came out flat because, again, before Saturday, they only had one win on the season. So 
this is going to be a weird team to talk about. And fortunately, after the Western game, we did get to talk about them differently than we've talked about them ever. Meaning, like they they played well. Like we were, re- I mean, it was almost like it was a new season. Not to say that we all just were going to assume this team was one and zero, but we were what we we had a game to react to, data, if you will, that just hadn't been there at all until then. Because they were good against Western in every way. Florida A&M, not so much. Lipscomb is 196 in the Ken Palm. I feel like despite these teams playing a bunch of games in recent weeks, Matt, it's been stuck on that 71-70 to 70 for a while. And yeah. Louisville, again, 46%. Louisville hasn't moved a lot in the Ken Palm rankings for a while, and neither is Lipscomb. I mean, Lipscomb's actually dropped a little bit. So. Yeah. Yeah, Lipscomb, let's be real, they... Uh, they had a d- decent start to the season. They ended up losing to Notre Dame by one point, and then they'd gone through a couple of wins against Chattanooga and Navy, and it felt like, okay, maybe they're kind of this sneaky mid-major like they've been, like they've been before. But they're 7-5 and five with losses to South Dakota, Alabama, A&M, Tennessee State, and they did just play Michigan uh, recently, and they, they barely they, they lost that game by eight. So Louisville is, in fact, projected to win this game by one point. It's a 56 I'm sorry, 54% chance of winning, or is it 56? 54% chance of winning by Ken Palm. We'll see what the spread is. I would imagine they're going to be favored, right, Matt? They're at home. Yeah. Probably not by much, but I'd say they'd be favored once again here. Handful of points. Probably. And by the way, you've got a loaded week. You play at NC State Thursday, and then Kentucky uh, the following Saturday. So you have a whole week off after these this week. So, um, you know, we'll see. As far as, like, what do I think of him now after these last two games? That's what the questions coming in on the text line are. I think tomorrow we have a much, or I'm sorry, Wednesday morning, we'll have a much better feel as far as, okay, has this team actually turned the corner a little bit? Because look, if you can play like you did against Western the rest of the season, which again, easier said than done. I don't think they're going to shoot 55% from three because that's just hard to do if, no matter who you are. But with that kind of you know activity around the rim and just being aggressive, you can beat teams in this league. The league's not very good this year, folks. I mean, Wake Forest and Syracuse aren't good at all. They're better than Louisville, but like Louisville can beat them if they play well. If they And again, now we at least have a game you can point to to say, all right, we saw that. We hadn't seen that before Western. So therefore, like, I'm sorry, people were not being over the top. People were not being mean or overly negative to say what our man Jim Mora was saying, Matt, right? Like watching this team the first nine games, it was without question fair to ask, and, and say, I just hope we can win a game. Yeah. And now they won two. So I, I, I'm looking again. So instead now, instead of saying that, we're saying this. I just hope we can win a game. Another game. There you go. <laughs> I didn't know you had that. Yeah. Perfect. I thought that was going to be dead. Now it's not, right? No, it's not dead. Not dead. I just hope we can win a game. Another game. I love it. Jim Moore lives on with us this season. So again, I just... To sit here and be like, yeah, if they win a third game in a row and they're three and nine, look out, everybody, because we can't do that. But like, it is also different than the first nine games that were losses. So bear with me. It's going to be a weird year when it comes to analyzing what we're seeing. But, you know, when we're going to be super critical when they lose, at least we'll give a little bit of props when uh, when they win. And if you want to win, the winning way is the DFH way. Right, you call DFH, have them come out, take a look at your heating in your the heating in your home, whatever your situation is. Maybe it's a sunroom, a hard to heat area. Maybe you've got an maybe you've got an outdoor garage that you guys have heating and air. And whatever it is, you will get a win by calling DFH because they're honest, they're trustworthy, they're going to get you squared away, fair pricing, 
great options when it comes to financing. And they're not going to try to tell you you need something when you don't. That makes them the most valuable, the real MVP when it comes to HVAC service because there are so many folks out there that know that you are not an expert in HVAC. You, they can tell you whatever is wrong, and you just kind of have to believe them because what, what are you going to do? That's why they tell you at times, get a second opinion. And by the way, DFH would love for you to get a second opinion because they know they're going to be competitive with pricing, and they know that they're, they're shooting you straight. So that happened to me. Somebody came out and looked at my air conditioning that had frozen, right? You guys ever had that happen where the AC in the house freezes up? That happened to us. So I didn't know what was going on. I'm an idiot when it comes to HVAC stuff. So I called this company, bum company, by the way. I won't mention them, but they're bums. Probably out of business by now. But it was the, it was, their sticker was on the, uh, on the AC unit in my home because I guess the previous owners of that house, they used them. So I called them. They come out, tell me, got to get a full replacement. This thing won't last another week. And I'm scared, and I thought, you know what? I'm gonna get, I'm gonna call somebody else. And the Hinkabon family—they've been around a long time. I know people that have trusted them for years. So I said, you know what? I'll give them a call. They come out. They tell me, no, you just need to add some Freon. We'll get this thing thawed out. And you'll be good to go. So you can trust them. Five zero two nine six eight sixty two twenty two is the number if you want to give them a ring. And you can check them out online at dfhcompany.com. And I promise you, you're going to be happy that you did. Be sure to tell them we sent you. And also tell them Merry Christmas, too, because it's Christmas week. Christmas vibes are strong. Can't wait for Saturday. And so we'll do most of our Christmas stuff Saturday uh, with family. And then, of course, the kids can open their stuff on Sunday morning. I mean, I'm, I'm feeling, feeling great. It is sad, though. When it comes to Christmas, I was talking about this yesterday with some of my wife's family. When you're a kid... And you're opening presents, like you wake up on Christmas morning at like 5 a.m. And you were like, oh, we got to get everybody up because I'm going to open my presents. The big man just stopped in last night at the house, loaded us up with presents, ate the cookies. Like go back to your child self and imagine that feeling. What feeling as an adult is comparable? Is it sex? It's probably sex, right? I'm telling you, the feeling that you have when you wake up as a kid on Christmas morning is unbelievable. Can we replicate that as an adult? What is it? It's got to be sex, right? I mean, I'm not trying to be perverted, but like that's whatever that's what went to everybody's mind. Right? No? Maybe? You're going to You still push on the envelope here, aren't you? I would say for me, hitting a big parlay Is that what it is? That's the closest thing I can – because that gives me great satisfaction. And it's not just a monetary thing because, Mm -hmm. I mean, it is nice to put a little extra money in your pocket. But, you know, if I I enjoyed betting based solely on the monetary, uh, you know, impact, it would would be sad because I don't win a lot. But when you do win, it's that fun. Unless it's the NCAA tournament. That's right. That's right. All right, quick timeout. Speaking of the NCAA tournament, you know what happened in Kentucky last year in the NCAA tournament? Do you remember? St. Peter's? You remember that, Matt? I remember it. Well, yeah. that were, were they? A, were they an eleven seed? They were a fifteen seed. Were they a twelve seed? Fifteen. A fifteen seed. The big one five. Yikes! So I'd say that was the lowest of the low for Calipari and Kentucky fans. And here we are, what ten games into the follow up season, and I feel like Kentucky fans are still just as down on Cal. Not that they think he's a bum and he's going to be fired, but they just know that they should be better. And to see their offensive grossness out there scored what 53 points against ucla i think kentucky fans again i can't speak for them but i i just 
I don't know if it's ever been this bad to where they're just like, man, this thing has run its course. We know we're stuck with him because he's got a lifetime contract. And yes, whoever takes over for him, good luck filling those shoes. But at the same point in time, he's making a ton of money. He's got a lifetime contract. He's still getting top recruiting classes. And yet, like he's finishing behind other new coaches in the SEC now. And he's not beating any ranked teams. So the gold standard that he claims Kentucky basketball is, it's not right now. And look, there's a ton of programs that would trade places with Kentucky's success in recent years. I know that, but like Kentucky's different. And I feel like their fans, again, have never been sort of this ho-hum about their program and one John Vincent Calipari. You remind me of a real short story. One hit, start that boy and get ready. Cause this is it. Your crew is through. And we too legit to quit society. You're in the red zone with Nick Coffey on 790 KRD. Fueled by Thorntons. All right, so I mentioned this earlier. Somebody had texted in about the Jack Harlow concert. I mentioned that, you know, I didn't I, I didn't go. And I'm, Jack Harlow's fine. His music's fine. But I'm not like a super fan like some people are. And I knew some friends that went last night and just the old washed up me who had gone out the night before, which doesn't happen very often. Um, there's nothing I probably would have wanted to do less than go to that concert. But hopefully people had fun. But somebody wrote in saying, hey, got to be honest with you. I went. I'm 24 years old. I would say the majority of the people there were either young girls or couples your age. Yeah, see, that's the thing. Like, I, I don't want to. Sh- I mean, look, Jack Harlow, is, he's a big deal now. And concerts are fun. It's at the Yum Center. He's a Louisville guy. But, like, if I went to the Jack Harlow concert, I would feel out of place. At least I think I would. Maybe you're telling me that I wouldn't because other people there. I just feel like to be a Jack Harlow stan as a 34 year old man. I just makes me it, it makes me kind of feel like I'm like I'm trying too hard. Does that make sense? Am I making sense? Maybe not. But if you did go, hopefully you had a good time. And by the way, downtown Louisville. I'm I'm downtown every day now, but for the U of L games and stuff, and I'll come down and do post game shows. You know. For football and all that like downtown i hope folks are realized that like it's it's a place to be not to say if you should spend all your time here or move downtown but i don't know if we ever had like an official event in downtown louisville post covid post everything else that was going on in downtown louisville but we have a pretty nice downtown and yes i know you know you got to be careful but like you got to be careful everywhere if you all paid attention to the news in this this city you can get killed anywhere in louisville now so if you haven't been downtown lately, check it out. It's got some Christmas vibes going on. I love downtown. Particularly if you haven't been downtown between, say, the hours like 7 a.m. and 10 a.m., you should really come down then because we're tucked away. coffee's on the air. But we're tucked away. Like they, can't. they can come knock on the window and people yeah. will get you. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. All right. Uh, so I wanted to play for you guys this call from Saturday night to the Kentucky football postgame show because I think this dude speaks for uh, a lot of uh, the Kentucky fan base. And I don't know where Matt was. He did not do the postgame show. It was Ryan, Ryan Lemon, uh, and our man Billy who were manning the postgame show, hearing from frustrated fans. And I thought this guy was not only um, passionate but also kind of funny. Here is an angry caller 
that uh, apparently lit Kentucky fans on fire in a good way. Like They're like, yeah, that guy's speaking for all of us. Here's what he had to say. Uh, I'd like to get a message to Coach Cal, if you don't mind, and Billy, uh, sh- you might want to watch the volume. Can, can y'all get a message to him for me? Well, I think he's listening right now, actually, on the flight back home. So, yeah, he, you can talk directly to him. We're ready. Great. Hey, Cal, I love you, buddy. I am was thrilled when you came here, was thrilled with the success you had. But let me tell you something. Even in the regular season, man, wearing a Kentucky jersey means something to a lot of people in this state. If you cannot get your team ready to play against a game like this on national TV, then you better just stand off and give it to somebody else. My grandfather, my his father before him, my dad, and when I'm trying to pass on to my sons and my my nieces and nephews, etc., this was not what we were looking for. Stop telling us that regular season and SEC tournament don't mean a thing. And you go into the NCAA and you get your butt whooped in the first half? How about this, Cal? How about you take this approach? Every game means something, gentlemen. Every game. Let's go out there and play as hard as we can. I don't care about your draft status. I don't care about what you were ranked in high school. Wearing the Kentucky jersey means something every single game. Thank you all very much. I really do appreciate you letting me vent a little bit. Thank you. Cal, that message for you. So I've been paid attention to what Cal is saying at this point, like what he's telling his fan base despite their struggles. But I, I, he's one of the last of a dying breed, in my opinion. All coaches are stubborn to an extent, right, and stuck in their own ways. But Cal's one of very few left that are – and again, I'm not picking on him because all coaches have egos, right? But like he, to me, has one of the biggest egos left in the sport, and he's going to do things his way, and that's just what's going to happen. And I think the fan base is okay with that when the results are pretty damn good. And they'll even live with it whenever they you know, go to Final Fours and come up short. They're going to be angry – very angry, in fact, whenever you know they lose in the Final Four to Wisconsin as an unbeaten team, or they lose to UConn in a game they probably should have won. Like they're going to be upset, but I think even the the most you know over the overreactive Kentucky fans would say, "Man, that sucks. He should have more than one title." But like we know, we got it pretty good. But they're not going to say that whenever you are four and thirteen in your last 17 games against ranked teams because you're not close to the gold standard. You're not terrible, but Cal is now giving you a much different program than what you believe you are deserving of. And I can't say you're not deserving of it. Kentucky basketball, for the most part, has been really, really good in my entire lifetime. And they're not awful now. They're not bad, but they're not, they're not special. They're very regular this year, and this was a year where it kind of felt like they needed to get back to being really, really good because things had gotten stale. He hadn't been to a Final Four and and going on. This will be eight years if they don't make the Final Four this year since Calipari went to a Final Four. Look, a lot of programs haven't been able to go to a Final Four in the last eight years. You know what? A lot of programs aren't Kentucky, right? A lot of programs aren't paying their coach a bazillion dollars and giving him a lifetime contract. So... 
it's a weird spot for Kentucky fans because I think no matter who you get to take over the job, you're going to feel like, man, big shoes to fill. Is that guy going to be able to bring us in elite talent every year like Calipari did? And the answer is probably no. I don't think anybody's going to recruit to the level that Calipari did in, uh, you know, just since he's been there. But Kentucky's Kentucky. I feel like if you're a good coach, you have the resource. Like every coach that's coached at Kentucky has won a national championship other than the two that had like drinking problems. And I don't say that to pick on them for that, but literally Eddie Sutton and Billy G just kind of couldn't get out of their own way. Not to say they were great coaches compared to the others, but like Kentucky basketball will be fine without Calipari if we're going to compare them to kind of what they are now, right? Good luck to whoever replaces Calipari if you're coming off of that run he had from, what, 2010 to 2015? But whoever takes over from Calipari in regards to the last three to four seasons, I don't feel like you have as gigantic shoes to fill, if that makes sense. I mean, Matt, does that surprise you? They are four in, in let me see, let me just make sure. Yeah, they are four and 13 in their last 17 games against ranked teams. At Kentucky. That does surprise me. I mean, that's kind of unbelievable. And yes, one of those years was like the COVID year, but you know what? It still counts. I mean, it's, it's like, it still happened. And that was still a year where I think their fan base probably realizes they should not have been nearly that bad. But they're going to, like, he's going to have to leave them, right? Because they can't pay that. No, he'll have to walk away, I Yeah, I because assume. that buyout, yeah. what I was reading, I mean, they're not paying that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, and again, it's not to say that the results under Cal, despite the awful season where they didn't make the tournament, they didn't make the NIT, and then they lost to St. Peter's, like, those things stand out. And clearly, what you do in the postseason is how you evaluate it, no matter who you are in college basketball, right? But, you know, there are coaches that have been hired at their programs in the last few years that have put a better team on the floor since they've, like, their programs are better off right now than, than, than Kentucky's is. I mean, last year, Auburn, Bruce Pearl, like, he's finished ahead of Kentucky in the SEC for, you know, not every year he's been there, but many times. Tennessee, Rick Barnes, like, he's getting the best of John Calipari. Look at Eric Musselman, back-to-back Elite Eights. Arkansas just signed the number one class in America, I'm pretty sure. Or number two, I'm sorry, outside of Duke. So there are a ton of programs that realistically cannot compete with the likes of what Auburn and Tennessee and Arkansas are doing right now. But you know what? Those programs aren't Kentucky. So it, it, it it's not that it's gotten... Oh, man, the guy's awful. You got to get rid of him. The program's cratering. It's not nothing to that extent. But they've fallen in recent years, and there's not really been any indication that that's going to change. And I know they have a class coming in with DJ Wagner and Dillingham and Bradshaw, but that's, I mean, that's no different than technically the class they just brought in. Not to say that those guys are, I mean, look, you never know. So, like, There's not a freshman in the country right now that is an elite player as far as like numbers. There's, I think there's a kid at Alabama that's averaging like 17 points a game. But th- th- that's been one of the things to follow in college basketball this year is that this freshman group that's out there, they, there's, not, there's not a dominant one. Like There's going to be one and dones based off potential. There always is. But if this group next year, and by the way, like this is not a knock on DJ because Louisville didn't get him. Louisville would love to have him and wanted him. 
But those that cover recruiting say that this 2023 class overall is not an elite one. So when you get the elite players from a class that's not technically considered to be one of the most elite, you may not have a group that's going to come in and take over like De'Aaron Fox and Bam Adebayo and Malik Monk and those guys. So if you're a Kentucky fan that's saying, look, he's got such a special class coming in, I'm willing to say, you know what, who cares? Because we still want a guy that's going to bring us the elite of the elite. But if you're getting the elite of the elite and your results are still like less than compared to other SEC teams like Arkansas and Auburn and Alabama and Tennessee, like I think at that point you can you can justifiably as a UK fan say, yeah, this isn't good enough, man. And let's be real, Chris Livingston and Casey Wallace are two top 10 players that he brought in this year. So he still has the same formula of elite freshmen. And oh, by the way, let's not, something I haven't even mentioned in this segment, he brought back the national player of the year in college basketball. So I just think we're in a unique spot with Kentucky fans, and I don't think it's ever been quite like this. All right, quick time. I will come back and wrap up the 8 o'clock hour. You are in the red zone. We're flying by here on a Monday morning. Christmas week, folks. Season's greetings. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock. Jingle bells swing and jingle bells ring. Snowing and blowing up bushels of fun. Now the jingle hop has begun. You're in the red zone with Nick Coffee on 790 KRD. Fueled by Thornton's. Let's stick with the uh, Christmas vibes here as uh, the marvelous Matt Allen giving us some classics. This is a classic Christmas song for sure. I'm sure there's other renditions of this one because there's all kinds of different renditions of all different Christmas songs out there. But I, this one, I feel like I can't even imagine a different one. This is the... I believe there's a good one from... Is it Burl Ives? Maybe. I believe that he does a good one of this too. Yeah. You know who has a really... You know whose Christmas music I really love? Bruce Springsteen. Okay. Good Christmas stuff. Yeah. All right, I got a Christmas poll for you from goodhousekeeping.com. All right. How many people do you think prefer a cold Christmas or a warm Christmas? Would it surprise you to know that 82% say they want a cold Christmas? Would not a bit. See, I if I see Christmas movies and stuff, and it's like somebody on the beach in California, like, you're still celebrating Christmas. There's nothing you can do if you live there. But like to me, that yeah. just, it, it just seems off. What if it's Christmas and you're yeah. running barefoot through Nakatomi Tower? I don't even know what that is. Yeah. I, I just wanted to see if the reference would go right over, over the head. head. I knew it would. Over the head? You don't know what I'm talking yeah. about. Um, this says, what is your drink of choice, mold wine or spiked eggnog? What is mold wine? Wine that's mold? 80, 80 or 52% say mold wine, 48% say spiked eggnog. So it's pretty 50-50. Oh, this is a good one. Have Col- you ever had eggnog? Once. Yeah. You? Did you like it? I didn't hate it, but yeah. I didn't like. I wouldn't. I was kind of the same as you. I, I, was I thought like, I was going to hate it, and I didn't. This again, but yeah. I did, I'm not gagging. I went in thinking I would hate it, and it was actually pretty good. Same thing with mint juleps. I didn't think that I would like those, and I really do like them. Um, colored lights or white lights on your tree? Do you have Do you have thoughts mm. on this? I think I, I think I prefer color. Me too. Yeah. I, I, I mean, white's a good look. My 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 one of my grandmas always had white lights, and it was pretty solid look. But I. I always preferred color. We always had color at my house. Yeah, I I love the color. And a pre-lit white tree looks beautiful. If you ever buy the trees pre-lit. So like last year, we bought a pre-lit tree and it was beautiful. And this year, it's not pre- the pre-lit went out. So we had to put lights on it. And it still looks fine, but it's not as good. 
But yeah, colored lights, unless, you know, that's my preference. Both look good. But I th- here's what I will say. When it comes to lights outside your house, I think you got to go color. Like those look oh, phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Star. Unless you've got like the, uh, the uh, icicles. light icicles. Yeah. That white are those still, I haven't seen those much this year. Those are, those are mm-hmm. cool. Um, what about a star or an angel on top of the tree? I got to go star. Yeah, we went angel as a kid, but we've been star in recent years. And uh, we let the kids put it up. They love it. Uh, animated or live action The Grinch? Which one? Animated. Yeah. 47% said animated, 53% live action. I guess that means the Jim Carrey one. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that was, I, I did enjoy him as The Grinch, but yeah. I, the cartoon is pretty solid. Your go-to song, All I Want for Christmas, Mariah Carey, or Last Christmas, Wham. Are those believed to be like the two top ones? Because I love Wham! Last Christmas. It's the best song mm-hmm. in my opinion, but I, don't, I didn't know how popular it actually was. I'm, if it's got, if if the if the question is go to song, I'm gonna have to pick C. Do you have a favorite Christmas song? Yeah, which one? Um, I mean, I guess since since you're on Wham, I can get. I mean, uh, uh, I'm on record. You can yeah. make fun of me because mine is gonna be one that's easy. Mine, you know, mine's got mine's an easy target to make fun of. Uh, kind of a la Nickelback. Mine is Celine Dion's "A Holy Night." There's nothing wrong with that. Who'd make fun of that? Because Celine Dion, she's a she's kind of a you know. Little kind of a, a what? A phenomenal well, singer? She is. I agree. But she's she can be a little bit of a meme target sometimes. Okay. Um, I will give you one that is every year it's climbing up there. I mean, it's 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 a new Christmas song that I don't even like. I think she I don't know if anybody else has done it. It might be her original. But Kelly Clarkson has a Christmas song that I feel like is relatively new. Um, Under the Tree. Okay. I know her rendition is newer than maybe there's an older one, but that's like that's that, that to me is inching towards the top five, maybe top three. Kelly Clarkson, underneath the tree. Maybe you mix it in this week, Matt. Give the folks a little taste. Underneath the tree by Kelly Clarkson. By Kelly. Okay, it's a good one. Well, I mean, we're gonna have to hear you know uh, what you call it too this, what? this week. What you know? Seasons greetings. No, the other one you just mentioned a minute ago. Last Christmas? Mm-hmm. Of course. Love yeah, it. Yeah. The video is phenomenal as well. I can imagine. Yeah. Um, this is a good one. Store-bought ornaments or do-it-yourself? I think you need both. 83% say store-bought. 17% say do-it-yourself. So Make all of your own ornaments? I guess. No, that's I think you need both. Like, my kids make ornaments at d- daycare and at school, and I literally cherish those. Yeah, make one. Why can't make, they make two? Um, well, you have one a kid. <laughs> okay. Like uh, one and then you know they'll put the other and then add one next year. All right, last one. Preferred not Christmas movie: Die Hard or Mean Girls. I've never seen Die Hard, and I've never seen Mean Girls, so I literally can't provide. Okay, well, I'll, I'll. I was gonna. I thought you were gonna say that I've seen. I was gonna be able to say you've never seen Die Hard. I've never seen Mean Girls. I've never seen Mean Girls. Die Hard's great though. Do you think it's a Christmas movie? I don't know. I don't care. It's great. Yeah. I mean, I, I know. But when that's you think big... of it, do you think of Christmas? A little bit because okay. it's uh, it's at Christmas. Because I think that I think that you know you know, but I do believe it did come out in the summer. So there's a lot of movies that I think Christmas is at least somewhat r- present and taking place. Yeah, but it's not. But it don't feel like a Christmas movie. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like like for example, um, I don't think of it as oh a Christmas movie because I do. I but I always do think of it at, taking place at Christmas. Yeah. So the there's a movie called Daddy's Home Two with Will Ferrell. Mel Gibson, um, and of course Mark Wahlberg, and then who's the guy who plays one of the killers in Dexter? Matt, 
the older guy, John. Uh, John Lithgow? Yeah. He's in it as Will Ferrell's dad. And that movie takes place around Christmas, but I don't really feel like it's a... It's a good movie, by the way. It's really funny. So there you go. A little Christmas flavor this week for you. We got another hour to go and a lot more to get into. Stick with us. You are in the red zone. We're fueled by Thornton's right here on 790 KRD. You're in the red zone with Nick Coffee on 790 KRD. Fueled by Thornton's. That's right. Hour number three here on a Monday morning as Christmas week gets started. You are in the red zone. We're fueled by Thorns here on 790 KRD. Two hours in with one more to go. Take us with you wherever you go on a Monday morning. Listen live at 790KRD.com. Listen live on the iHeartRadio app. And uh, just a heads up, tomorrow morning I will be sharing some uh, some news in regards to me and, and the show. So uh, we'll do that tomorrow at 9 o'clock. So hopefully you guys uh, will be with us. All right, so 502-653-0790 is the number if you want to jump in on the LNN Federal Credit Union text line. Of course, a lot of people reacting to a big Louisville weekend. You had the basketball team uh, getting their second win in a game that was, from what I could tell, not you know not a great watch. But, hey, you lost nine in a row to start the season. So when you get two in a row, we can at least acknowledge that's better than uh, what we were, we were getting used to. And they have a game on Wednesday, I'm sorry, tomorrow, against, excuse me, against Lipscomb that, hear me out, is a good opportunity for him. I mean, what's the big difference in being, you know, 2-10 and 10 or 3-9? and nine? I don't know. But when you've lost nine in a row and we see what this team can do when they played Western last week, hopefully you get more of those types of performances and you can maybe end up winning more games than we anticipated, you know, two weeks ago. It's still hard to imagine this turns into like a decent season even. But we were asking for some kind of a sign, some kind of growth, and... We got it against Western. I don't think we got it against Florida A&M. But against Lipscomb, if you can recreate, bottle up what you did against Western and try to turn that into sort of who you are moving forward, you're not going to shoot 50% from three every night because nobody's going to do that. But um, it's progress, right? And that's what we were not seeing and asking for. I still think what it came down to is after the loss to Florida State, I think – the negativity had become so loud. And even those that, you know, you could still find some defenders of Kenny Payne. And I'm not saying they're wrong in like, you know, supporting him because of course we want to see Kenny do well. But I also, you know, know that the negativity was as loud as it had ever been in regards to Kenny after they lost to Florida State. And by the way, Florida State was one and nine going into that game. And I think against Western, they came out and from top to bottom, the players and the staff, it's like everybody just kind of stopped feeling sorry for themselves and stopped thinking about, oh, poor us. They just went out there and they fought. I mean, Kenny was screaming at players and it was nice to see. Guys were active like they haven't been. And of course, making shots helps everything and that can certainly help your confidence. So if they win tomorrow, I think we can look at the rest of the ACC slate and still expect this team to take many losses and not be very good. But we're coming off of a nine-game stretch where literally it was tough to know if you were going to win a game. And again, I think they proved on Wednesday they can play well and and give us something to cheer for. But you know what else they proved on Saturday against Florida A&M? Is they can lose to anybody. Florida a and one of the worst teams in America, quite literally. And you barely beat them. You beat them by, what, two in the first half and four in the second half. So you've kind of showed in one week, I think... Both sides of who you can be. A team that is 
scrappy, competitive, and again, can give us something to cheer about. And then a team that quite literally is one of the worst in the country. They could lose to anybody. Like if you play to the level you played against Florida A&M Saturday, if that product is what we see the rest of the way, you won't win another game. If the team we saw Wednesday against Western is what we see the rest of the way, you can win more games than most of us would have said two weeks ago. Are you going to make the tournament? No, but still. And I hate that they did take a step back against Florida A&M, although I'm happy they at least won the game because that would have been like the ultimate. In fact, I probably would have been more critical of Kenny than anything. And again, they could have lost. They only won by six, but you have shown, in fact, the players and the coaches, I think, kind of told on themselves with the game against Western. And look, I know making shots was a huge factor in that, but it wasn't just that. Let's be real. They just, it wasn't as if they were fluky. They were doing things to get good shots. They were getting to the paint, getting to the free throw line. They were active around the rim defensively. I mean, it was just a different team. So luckily they didn't lose. And now they've got a game against Lipscomb that can be, again, another opportunity to at least show us, okay, when we do come out, play hard, play carefree, we can not be this disastrous team that we saw for the first, uh, you know, first month and a half of the season. All right. Uh, We did also talk some football because uh, Louisville football, their season officially comes to an end and, I, it seems like Christmas certainly came early for Louisville fans because just think about it. You now finish eight and five, solid season, nothing special, right? You you were four and four in the ACC, but you finish eight and five. You've got a little momentum. It's much better to come off an eight and five season than you know a seven and six or a six and seven season like you did last year. And you also got rid of your coach, who seemed like the guy that was going to keep you in the mediocre level at best. And it was a gift, Cincinnati. I think we'll always be we will always be in debt to Cincinnati because they took Satterfield when nobody else would, and they paid Louisville three and a half million to get him. That opened up the job. Jeff Brom, you knew it was going to be tough for him to say no a second time. Now he's coming home to a team that just went eight and five, and oh by the way, he stands to potentially sign the best class in school history coming up on signing day. So it's worked out great for Louisville fans. And it's just a rare situation where you lose your coach to another job and yet you feel like you're on top of the world. It's, it's, uh, it's awesome. It really is. So there were a ton of visitors on campus this past weekend. A lot of guys who are committed to Louisville. And again, all they got to do now is make it official on signing day coming up on Wednesday. And there were a ton of transfers on campus as well. And two of those guys have already committed to Louisville. Stephen Heron, the uh, kid from Trinity that spent four years at Stanford, he's now coming home for his last year to play for Ron English and Jeff Brom. And then Rodney McGraw, another defensive lineman who spent a couple of seasons at Penn State. So that is now how we evaluate your offseason, right? Not only are you going to sign a good class that you feel excited about when it comes to the future, and also what are you going to do in the portal? And at this point, it's just making sure that you gain more than you lose. And they have lost a handful of guys so far, which is you know a bummer. But so far, just in one weekend of having visitors, they landed um, two guys that, you know, defensively can certainly fill some voids for you. So right now, DeAndre Moore, Madden Sanker, Aaron Williams, Pierce Clarkson, all these guys are still committed to Louisville. And I, I can't tell. Look, you guys probably know this already without me saying it, but I'm not like the biggest recruiting guy. I don't pay for insider information. I don't talk to recruits. Like I don't know anything more than you know. In fact, a lot of you guys probably know more than me, just being honest with you. I don't, I keep up with it as enough to know sort of where we are, but like maybe there's belief that 
some of these guys like Jamari Johnson and DeAndre Moore who have taken visits elsewhere, maybe Raekwon Atkins who visited Cincinnati, maybe the insiders are saying that, yes, despite being committed to Louisville, they're going to sign elsewhere. So if that's out there, I, I, you know, I don't know about that. But am I wrong to at least feel pretty good knowing that we've gotten to this point, a coaching change and visits elsewhere and another visit to Louisville, and none of these guys have decommitted just yet? So I'm pretty excited. I'm thinking good things are going to happen on Wednesday. Now, I say all that to know that a verbal commitment really means nothing at all. And these guys probably, as we speak, are still getting phone calls from other coaching staffs because that's just how recruiting works. But just imagine this for Jeff Brom. It'll make it to where... It all worked out in the end, right? Where if you got Jeff Brown four years ago, right after Bobby, maybe it wouldn't have worked out. But now he's inheriting the program in a better spot than it was when Bobby bailed. Well, got fired. And, oh, by the way, again, he's going to bring in a class that is higher ranked than really any class that uh, that Lowell's ever had and probably any other class that, that – that uh, that Purdue's had under Jeff Brown. So with other commitments going elsewhere, Louisville's class, despite not losing anybody, they're now at 28th in the 24-7 sports composite. So still a top 30, and I could be wrong. I will, I will happily stand corrected. I don't think Louisville – I know Louisville's never had a top 25 class, but have they ever had a top 30 class? I know the class that had uh, Teddy Bridgewater and those guys – Back in 2011, that class, yeah, that class ranked 27. So, sorry, this won't be, unless something changes, this may not be the highest ranked class because the 2011 class that had Teddy, Devontae, uh, Andrew Johnson, Charles Gaines, Jermaine Reeve, Gerard Holloman, Eli Rogers, BJ DeBose, Jamon Brown, Calvin Pryor, Terrell Floyd, Lorenzo Malden, John Miller, that class ranked 27. I'm sorry, 26th. So, Sorry, but I guess it won't be. Now, the class that, that, that had Lamar, I feel like, was pretty highly ranked. Yeah, that class uh, was number 33. So you flirted around the top 30. And look, if, if this cl- I don't, we all know the personnel in this class. I don't care where it ranks. If these guys that are, in fact, committed end up here, I think that'll be great for, uh, for Louisville fans. And who knows? There are some guys out there that have picked up offers uh, from... Louisville since Jeff got the job so they haven't committed to Louisville so if those guys do end up signing on signing day maybe they were being pursued by Purdue it could end up maybe where you rank a little higher than where you are right now but good vibes going for football no doubt now the uh, Louisville volleyball season came to an end on uh, Saturday night Texas clearly the uh, the better program I mean Texas is phenomenal and uh, Louisville the volleyball program back-to-back final fours been dominant in the ACC. Danny Busboom Kelly had a chance to become the first Louisville, I'm not, not for, clearly the first Louisville coach, but the first female coach to win a national championship. But she did fall just short. But still, another phenomenal season. And we did have some fun earlier with that Courier Journal headline on Twitter, where instead of you know you don't need to to to, to necessarily give it to us like it's coming from you know the you know the whatever the message boards are called, you know, you don't have to give us the full Homer view, but after Louisville volleyball, again, a miraculous run to the national championship game, putting the program on the map in the last two years with back-to-back final fours, the courier journal posted their game story and it said no title for Cardinals women's team, no history for coach Danny Busboom Kelly. Instead, the Longhorns ran UofL out of Omaha in dominant fashion. And maybe it's not as mean as it, 
seems, but like it just wasn't really necessary to to put it out there that way. I mean, you might as well have thrown an L's down there in the beginning. Uh, no title for the Louisville women's team. Danny Buspum Kelly, yeah, no history. She's a bum. Instead, Texas dominated UofL, kicked their ass out of home hall, sent them home crying. L's down. That's kind of the tone that it that it that it you know seems to have. But yes, maybe I'm just you know being sensitive because you guys know I'm a big volleyball guy. Now, when it comes to volleyball, I will say this: it's a really good TV product because it's like it's just it's constant. I think. There's there's very little downtime, and I th- I could be wrong, but I feel like you don't have to follow the sport closely. You don't have to have ever really gone to games or had a you know played yourself or knew somebody that played. I kind of feel like you can come off the street and know what's going on as far as how the score is you know how the score scoring is done and whatnot. So another great season, and hopefully they can keep Danny Buss from Kelly around here for a long time. It was wild to see just how many Nebraska fans were there. She, of course, played in Nebraska, coached in Nebraska, was an assistant there when they won a national championship. So um, she has a lot of support. And I guess the volleyball program in, in general has a lot of support. But we have somebody that texts in from a 402 number, which is a Nebraska area code, I believe, that uh, says, Nick, it was fantastic to see so many Louisville fans here in Nebraska this past weekend. It didn't go the way we wanted, but Cards fans showed up and showed out in Omaha. Matt, you ever been to Omaha? I have not. Me either. I've always heard that Omaha's one of those cities that like you never probably making a point to say, hey, we got to go to Omaha. But when people are there, they like it. Like it's a good town. So well, it's near Lincoln, Nebraska, right? Which is where the greatest college football program in history. Exactly. Was. Exactly. So how could it not be good? Yeah. All right. Back to the text line. We've got some recruiting insiders uh, helping us out. And I say that uh, thanking you because, again, um, I'm not exaggerating and I'm not acting like. I'm too cool for recruiting. I literally just don't keep up with it that much. But um, this texter, I'm just going to assume they're right because you're not allowed. It won't even let you text in the text line if it's not true. It will, like, not send, fail you to send. Uh, but it says DeAndre Moore visited Texas um, this past weekend. I'll just take your word for it. Apparently, he visited Texas on November 12th. Maybe he visited once again. I don't know. But uh, he is, in fact, I'm pretty sure, yeah, now that Ruben Owens is out of the mix and he's going to sign with – Texas A&M. DeAndre Moore is the highest-ranked kid in this class, and frankly, it's not close. So who knows? Maybe he will end up signing with Texas because he's visited a couple of times, and we now know that uh, you know we now know that Arch Manning is going all out to try to get DeAndre Moore to come play for him. So we'll see. Fingers crossed. And I'm just trying to do a little uh, Twitter Twitter. Uh, yeah, it looks as if Texas expects him to flip to Texas. So we'll see. I mean, I can't say that'd be like a huge shock, but we'll see. All right. Uh, so this came out Friday, and I'm glad somebody texted in to remind me of this because I would have forgot to bring it up. But you guys may, may remember the name uh, Keontae Goodwin. Keontae Goodwin uh, has been a name I've been familiar with for no joke probably about 10 years. When he was in middle school, he appeared to be maybe one of the bigger middle schoolers in, in the world, and he just looked like this next-level, you know, can't-miss football prospect. And he spent his high school years playing for a ton of high schools. I think he started his career off maybe at maybe at DeSales. I think he was at Ballard, might have been at Holy Cross. 
And then he ended up transferring to finish his career at Charlestown High School in in um, Southern Indiana. Well, when he came out of high school just a year ago, he was in the 2022 class. He was the 33rd ranked player nationally. So, I mean, we're talking about, again, one of the top 40 players in America, one of the top players in the country at his position. He could literally pick wherever he wanted to go to school. Alabama, Texas A&M. I mean, you name it, Florida, Georgia, this kid had offers from everywhere. I mean, anywhere, Oklahoma, Ohio State, wherever this kid wanted to go to school, he had an offer from throughout his recruitment. However, towards the end, there was some belief that some of those offers weren't valid, meaning like on signing day, he could not have picked anywhere. He could have still picked from big time schools, trust me, but not all of them because they'd gone elsewhere. And he has always sort of been, I mean, he's a six foot eight, 340 pound offensive tackle. When he looks like he was created in a laboratory. And I mean that, of course, in a, in a good way for him, not, not insulting him. So, but he never, like, on the high school football field, like, you'd go watch him play. And again, I didn't. I'm just hearing from people who cover recruiting that, like, he would go up against, you know, kids playing at the level of Southern Indiana football, going up against Charlestown, and, like, some other teams would get the best of him. So, like, it was based specifically off potential. Well, he goes to Kentucky, signed with them last year, has to be the highest-ranked kid to ever sign with Kentucky, right? Who is Kentucky signed that's, that's, that's ranked top 40 in the country? Maybe, you know, maybe Tim Couch coming out of high school was because he was phenomenal. In fact, I'm looking at it right here. He was the third-highest commit to ever commit to, and sign with Kentucky because Antonio Hall back in 2000, was a five-star player and was ranked number 12 nationally. Don't remember him. Uh, maybe he had a great career, but he is technically, according to 24-7 Sports, the highest-ranked kid. But anyways, long story short, Keontae Goodman is in the transfer portal, and there's been some talk as will he come and play for Louisville. He is from here. Uh, his trainer, Chris Vaughn, has been the exclusive trainer for a ton of really good players that have come out of Louisville, including the kid, Stephen Heron, who just committed to Louisville after transferring from Stanford. So, like, if Louisville will take him, then we'll see. But I'm just going to be honest with you guys. By everybody I've ever talked to about this kid, and it's even people like on the Kentucky side, like, he, there's not really been a whole lot of evidence that he can play at a high level. It's just all been based off of he's humongous, there's potential, and all that kind of stuff. So, um, look, if you can take a kid that's got that kind of potential and you have a spot on the roster, why not? But he couldn't get on the field in Lexington last year for Kentucky, and they needed offensive linemen now. Let's be real. That was the weakness for their team. So I don't know if he's the hardest worker. I'm not saying he's not a hard worker. I'm just telling you I don't know. Um, but that would be somebody that just based off of his recruiting ranking, like if you do get him in the portal, it would certainly look as if you got a big win. Now, will he be able to give you much? I don't know. We'll see. All right, quick timeout. Headlines coming up on the other side. As uh, Matt will give us a real good update on that World Cup as it has come to an end. I'm sure, I'm sure you're sad that it's over, Matt. Now you got to wait another four years. But I know you enjoy it. But next time it'll be here. And you're going, right? Right? I'd be right. Neat. I, would, I, would, I would like to go. Little road trip. Huh? Little road trip? Maybe. Let's do it. Maybe. <laughs>
Zone with Nick Coffee on 790 KRD, fueled by Thornton's. That's right, you are in the red zone here on 790 KRD. Thanks for hanging out with us. We certainly appreciate it. We got a little bit of time left. We're going to try to make it count. Let's get to it. Time for the Fast Five. It's time for the Fast Five headlines with the marvelous Matt Allen. Number one. From the three star performance. Uh, Argentina won the 2022 FIFA World Cup for their third uh, championship ever. It's their first since 1986. And I'm going to put the over-under at a half a second of how much World Cup final you watched and take the under. Am I right? Yep. Okay. I didn't see anything. Um, I'm really I'm not even sure who won. I just said it. I know, but before that, I wasn't sure who won. Yep. It was a great game. It was an amazing game. Uh, it started off with a dumb France penalty, and Messi put Argentina on the board, and another one by Anel Di Maria, who I think was just inserted into the starting lineup to make it 2-0. And then, I mean, for 80 minutes, it was a just whitewash. I mean, they just completely made France look like they didn't even belong in the game. And then France got a penalty, and Mbappe, with one of the coolest goals of the tournament, tied it up at 2-2, and we go to extra time. And then Messi again makes it 3-2, and then another penalty, and Mbappe ties it back up. And so now we go to penalty kicks, and um, great uh, great goaltending by, uh, oh, I forgot his last name. Is it Emilio Martinez? Is Sounds good to me. Yeah, it's, I think that's that, that. I don't know if that's right or not. That's not quite it. But uh, and Argentina wins on penalty kicks, four to two. And look, there was a lot of great sound in this game. Um, but uh, Andre, Andres Cantor, who moved to the U.S., you probably know him. Uh, you've probably heard, I don't know if you've seen like soccer calls from you know yeah. here and there he moved from, to the u.s from buenos aires as a teenager and here he is getting to call argentina winning the world cup and obviously objectivity at this point and who can blame him out the window Montiel. Montiel, no! Uh, it went on for another 45 seconds, but it's, I mean, it's just a great moment to see somebody uh, that into it. And, you know, he wasn't the only one. The entire stadium was through the roof. It was a great final. And Argentina wins the World Cup. Three, uh, well, three, three. It's a draw, but they win four, two in penalty kicks. It certainly seemed like it was uh, messy mania yesterday, right? Yeah. And it would have been exactly in the opposite on the other side if France had pulled it out. It would have been Mbappe mania because that's I a mean, fun name to say. Yeah, Mbappe. 
Mm-hmm. Am I saying it right? Yeah, you are. Number two. Uh, by the way, uh, now that this is over, um, let me say one more. Let me say two. I I, did, I don't know if I mentioned this during, but Fox and um, uh, I mean I, the disgusting stories you heard about Qatar and all the work, all the work problems over there, getting this thing ready. But I mean, it once it got going, the World Cup seemed to go off without with very few hitches. Good, uh, and it was a really good product. And Fox did a great job from start to finish in terms of covering it for. U.S. audiences, they did a really good job, um, but uh, you know I'm very excited to see it again in, uh, in in four years. From the what happened here department, let's go to the end of the Raiders Patriots game. Three seconds to go. It's a handoff. Stevenson up the middle breaks one tackle at the fifty to the forty-five. Forty stiff armies free at the thirty-five. Drops it behind him to Jacoby Myers who circles and laterals it, and it's intercepted by the. Going the other way, down the sideline at the 20-yard line, to the 10-yard line. Touchdown, Vegas. What a wild finish. Only the second. Taylor Jones, the ex-New England Patriot, on a lateral back, comes up with it and goes the distance at the horn in one of the wildest finishes you will ever hear. Uh, one uh, there have been two walk-off touchdowns in NFL history, and both of them have the Patriots on the wrong end of it. Uh, it was a 30-24 victory for the Raiders uh, after that lateral backwards for some reason, <laughs> and that guy took it to the house. And there you go. The Raiders win it 30-24. They, tr- they led it the 17-3 at halftime, but trailed. 24-17 with just over 30 seconds to play, and they became the first team to score two touchdowns in the final 40 seconds of regulation with the second one giving them the lead since 2015 when the Broncos beat the Chiefs. They're 6-8. and eight. They are. I feel like they were a lot worse than that. They've had a lot. I mean, just think about this. They go at, When they ended up losing to... Uh, they've had some embarrassing losses. I don't know what the most recent one was. Maybe... It will be um, maybe it was that Colts game because the Colts, of course, you know, lost, they lost to the Colts with right. a, a coach that really isn't a coach. And you could argue that maybe he's not even coaching; he's just on the sideline. But if you're a Raiders fan, had you not had like collapses this year, you'd actually have a pretty good record up to this point. I think they started the season like zero and three or zero and four. So that sounds right. Yeah, they've uh, they've rallied a little bit there. Kind of a low key big weekend of the NFL action. Number three. Speaking of that, from the... Yeah, they had us the first half. I'm not going to lie. They had us. We weren't defeated, but they had us. Uh, the Bengals were had in the first half. They uh, were going up against a Buck team, Bucks team in the AFC South that was winning the division uh, despite uh, a losing record. Quarterback uh, Joe Burrow picked off on the team's first drive, and the offense managed a... Uh, or was really sputtered, and the defense surrendered a season-high 261 first-half yards. That all came... 
uh, to uh, an end, and the Bengals were down 17-3 at the half, but they would not lose. They would not lose the game. They came back and uh, had a great second half. What was the final? Was it? They, they, yeah, 34. 23 so outscoring the bucks 27 to 7 after that uh, fairly tough defense comment by Tom Brady and the Bengals are now 10 and 4 and I believe the only two teams that have a better record than the Bengals in the AFC are the Chiefs and the Bills at 11 and 3 so did leading the, the AFC North Did the Bengals start the season 1 and 2 I think they did. They lost their first two games because they lost to the Steelers, lost to the Cowboys. Um, So they've been probably the hottest team in the NFL that that I was going to say nobody's talking about, but I think they are now. Yeah, they're sitting at 10 and four overall Um, in the AFC. I mean, there's there's still some other good teams like the Chiefs and the Bills and whatnot. But uh, yeah, Joe Burrow picking up where he left off last year. There's no doubt about that. And by the way, they're 10 and four with Jamar Chase being out a lot of time this year. So, shout out to the Bengals. Was that number three? It was. Number four. Four walls to hear me. From the worst part of sports department, I mean, I have to report the news, but this is not surprising. Anthony Davis of the Los Angeles Lakers has a right foot injury that's expected to sideline him for at least a month. The severity of the injury was still being determined uh, yesterday and was keeping the team from forming a specific timetable for his return, according to the Associated Press. The Athletic uh, first reported that Davis was facing an extended absence, and um, ESPN followed that up, said m- called it multiple weeks. Um, but Davis, of course, leads the Lakers with 27 points, 12 boards a game, numbers that would have him in the NBA MVP comp. Uh, conversation, although I don't know how. They're in 12th in the West, but nonetheless, he was injured in the first half win uh, of Denver. Uh, the game, uh, their win over Denver on Friday night did not play after halftime. He missed 36 of their 72 games uh, in 2021 and missed 42 of their 82 games last season. So do the math. He's He's playing in half the games. That's just not enough. That's why they call him street clothes. Unfortunately. I think Charles Barkley coined that. He's going to be out for another month, and I you hate to see it, but, I mean, it's just kind of becoming, yeah, what else is new with him, unfortunately? And, sucks. And, you know, what else is new with the Lakers? They they stink. They right? uh, suck at the defense. Suck at the defense. Uh, are they? Can we? Do we still call them the old ass Lakers? And we can because okay. they're old. I mean, they're going to be even older now because he was actually one of the ones who's not ancient on the team. But they're thirteen and sixteen and twelfth in the West. I mean, only the Thunder, Spurs, and Rockets are worse than mm-hmm. have a worse record than the Lakers. You know who's right above the Lakers in eleventh? Golden State. That's true. Again, they have the worst road record in the NBA. Number five. From the Tis the Season department, Nick, you are a Christmas um, Christmas guy. Christmas guy. You celebrate Christmas even before Thanksgiving. You celebrate Christmas sometimes even before Halloween. So there's no one better to go to for this Red Zone Trivia Break. Nick, we're asking you today, of these 
musical acts or artists, have they or have they not ever, because tomorrow, this is in honor of Go Caroling Day, I guess, which is tomorrow. Have they or have they ever not, have they or have they ever made a Christmas album? Okay. All right. Have the have these musical acts ever released a Christmas album? Yes or no? Here we go. First up, Snoop Dogg. Yes. Do you know the name of it? If no. that's true, no. You are correct. Christmas at the Dog House. <laughs> nice Christmas right. in Compton. Or he's Long Beach. I'm sorry. Bruno Mars. Yes. That is incorrect. Yeah, I, he has I, not released one, so you're one for two. Weezer. I don't. Are they rock band? I don't know a lot about Weezer. Well, do you have a guess? I'm going to guess that they did. The answer is yes. Christmas with Weezer. Very creative name. The Dixie Chicks. Oh, yeah, they did. They did? No, they didn't. They did not. The Dixie Chicks is a no, so you're two for four. All right, we'll do, uh, let's see. Let's do, let's do, let's do two more. David Hasselhoff. It's so weird. I'm going to say he did. He did. That's true. You're three for five. The, The album was called The Night Before Christmas. And finally, Afro Man. <laughs> Another one I'm going to say yes just because it's crazy. All right. The answer is yes. A Colt 45 Christmas from Afro Man. <laughs> There it is. Nick went four for six. Pretty good. I want to listen to Christmas at the Doghouse. All right. Find it. I'm sure you can get it. It's probably out there. All right. That was our Fast Five headlines. Thank you, Matt. Quick timeout. We'll come back and wrap it up on the other side. Stick with us right here on 790KRD. You're in the red zone with Nick Coffee on 790 KRD, fueled by Thornton's. It took me, what, roughly three hours, a little bit under three hours to, to mention this, because I don't know if you care, but I can't wait to get the hell out of here, Matt. The air conditioning's not working in the studio. Uh, so the door's open right now as I just yell into this microphone. It's uh, a comfortable 82 degrees. You're really uh, you're really doing it the no days. I mean, you, you didn't even mention it until the last segment. I know, yeah. I mean, it's not about you. It's why, that's why you didn't do it. I emailed our uh, our bosses and let them know, so hopefully yeah. they can get it fixed because it's, uh, you know, it's not comfortable. I mean, it's, it's freezing outside, but... The only time I was in there today was when the door was open, so yeah. I can't speak to but it was warm in there when I was in there. Yeah, not fun. But, you know, again, I'm not going to bring it up because I'm not going to complain. Right. I mean, you're not a... That's not what you do. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't have even brought it up, but, you know, right. just accidentally... Are we, are, we, are we back on the air? Oh yes, we are. I didn't tell oh, you. Sorry, that I we were yeah. gonna not have you bring it up, but yeah. that was my bad. Yeah, do better, please. I'll, I'll do better. Sorry. All right. So if you missed anything on today's show, what a loser you missed out. But don't worry, you can always go back and check out the podcast. Find it as soon as the show uh, wraps up. Well, not immediately, but somewhat shortly after the show uh, comes to an end. All right. So 
Let's uh, wrap it up with some famous birthdays today. Not a great oh. slate here, Matt. Okay, I'll do my best. But uh, we'll start with uh, actor Jake Gyllenhaal. 44. Close, he's 42. <sighs> Marla Sogolov, the actress. You know who that is? I feel like I should. What is she I in? feel like you should, too. Um, let me see what she's most, most known for. Um she was in The Practice. Uh, she was in Full House as a kid. I do remember that. Mm. And she was in Fuller House. Uh, I, Maybe she's not as famous as I thought she was. I don't know. 51? She's in Dude, Where's My Car? Okay. Um, she is 42. Okay. How about actress Mil- Alyssa Milano? You okay. know her, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, here we go. Um, who's, uh, let's say 52? She's 50. Okay. What is she most known for? Who's the boss, I guess, right? I'm asking you. I mean, she's somebody that like That's I know. What I, would her, think. I know That's her what name. I think of first is who's the boss. Maybe yeah. I'm maybe I'm shouldn't think of that first. But I do. she was in a show called Charm that was popular. Oh, forgot about Charm. I didn't watch that. So. It does say that who's the boss is probably the most. Yeah, and she sense. was also in a movie called Commando with Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know what that is? <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Back in the mid '80s. Yeah. So there you go. All right, uh, Christy Swanson. You know who that is? I don't. Yeah, she's an actress. Uh, She's around Melissa Milano's age. I want to say 49. 54. Okay, not. How about actress Jennifer Beals? 56. 59. All right, last one. How about uh, Mike? I'm sorry, Barry Williams from Brady Bunch. I didn't watch the Brady Bunch. Couldn't. 77. 62. Sorry. I don't know who that is. We're out of time. Back at it tomorrow morning. Enjoy your day. It's Christmas week, folks. Be happy. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.